0: Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. The kingdom of God is like a man that casts seed into the soil. He goes to bed at night and gets up by day. Now I'm going to show some show you something here because it's really important that we get a hold of the fact that the way God does things is he does things through seed and through rest. Through seed and through rest. So he says he he he, he plants seed in the ground and then he goes to bed at night. You know, if you ever have a problem going to bed at night, the best thing you can do is plant some seed in the ground because automatically, he says, when you plant seed in the ground, then you go to bed at night. The way the kingdom of God operates is rest comes from relying on the seed of God's word. Rest comes from planting the seed of God's word in our lives and if we if we live a life of if we live our lives built upon any other thing, we won't find rest. The sower sows the word. The farmer plants the seed of Scripture, the seed of God's word, and he goes to bed at night without God's word, you won't find real rest without God's promises. You won't have real rest without understanding God's presence. You won't have real rest without understanding the way that God operates. You won't have real rest. God wants you to have rest. God doesn't want you to strive. Jesus said, come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say come you that are rested and I will take your rest away. He always gives something better than what we have. And he wants to give us rest. And what are we resting from? We're resting from striving. We're resting from having to get God to do something. We're resting from having to twist God's arm, talk him into a deal. We're resting from having to make promises to God. We don't have to make promises to God. All we do is take his promises and plant them in our heart as a seed. Are you with me? Are you with me? So it's really important that we understand. The Christianity is not is not made up of the promises we make to God. Christianity is built upon the promises that he makes to us. It's not about our promises, but I'll bet most of us have lived in seasons of our life where we make all these promises to God. God, I promise I'm never going to look at that. I promise I'm never going to do that. I promise I'm not going to stop doing that. I promise I'm going to pray this much. I promise I'm going to do this. I promise I'm going to do that. And then we live in frustration because there's no rest from your promises. There's only rest from God's promises. You only get rest from relying on God's promises. But you get nothing but stress relying on your promises. And thank God, the kingdom of God is not built upon your promises. It's built upon God's promises. And that's why he says this is how the kingdom of God operates. It's like a man that casts seed into the ground. The seed is the promise of God's word planted in your heart. Then you go to bed at night and rest in the promise of God. A perfect example of this happens in just a few verses later when Jesus gets in a boat with his disciples. After he explains this to them, he says this is how the kingdom of God works. He plants the seed. He goes to bed at night. He gets up by day and the seed grows. He doesn't have anything to do with its growth. The guy that plants the seed doesn't have anything to do with the growth of the seed, except that he plants it. That's all we have to do is plant God's word in the soil of our soul and we rest. And so Jesus explains this. And then he demonstrates it when in the same chapter in verse thirty five, when it says on that day and I don't want to get caught up in this story, but I just want you to see as an illustration, this is how God does things that on that day, Jesus says to them, let us go to the other side. So what is what is Jesus just done? He just explained the kingdom of God is like a man that casts seed into the soil and then he goes to bed at night. And so what does Jesus do? He says let us go to the other side. What has he just done? He's just planted the seed. He's just planted the seed. He's just now demonstrated what he had originally explained. Now he's actually doing it. So let us go to the other side and what happens is they get in the boat and leaving the multitude they go just as he they take him just as he was in the boat. By the way, in verse 36, I like what he says there leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat. Look at what the New American Standard Bible says here about this verse or in this verse says they took him in the boat just as he was, just as he was. You know, when we receive Jesus into our life, we need to take him just as he is. There is no we don't want a different version of Jesus. We don't want a different Jesus. The Bible warns about receiving a different Jesus other than the one that you've received. The spirit of Jesus is the spirit of grace. It's the spirit of forgiveness. It's the spirit of God did it all for us. It's the spirit of Tetelestai. It is finished. Jesus did it all on the cross. That's the Jesus of the Bible. Don't take any other Jesus into your boat. Don't take a Jesus that's half grace and half law. Don't take a Jesus that says, well, you know what? God's still judging people when they sin. God doesn't judge anybody when they sin. There is no judgment from God. When you sin, all that comes, all that happens when you sin is you're sowing a seed, you're reaping a harvest. It has absolutely nothing to do with God's judgment other than the system that he set up before the when the world began. And he said, he said, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and there will be harvest time. That's the system he set up. It has nothing to do with God's wrath. It has nothing to do with God's judgment. God took all of his wrath and poured it on Jesus. There is no wrath left from God towards any human being or anything on this earth. There was wrath when he flooded the world. There was wrath in the time in many times in the Old Testament. But that was because the Savior hadn't come to take the wrath and be the lightning rod. Now the wrath has been taken and there is no wrath left and there will never be any wrath for any believer in Christ. The only wrath that remains is the wrath that you if if you reject Jesus, if a person rejects Jesus, then they're rejecting God's remedy for his wrath. And if they if they reject that, then they have to take it upon themselves. But thank God we don't have to do that. Jesus took it upon himself. There is no you see the problem with the problem with words in the English language is we don't We don't use them in the right way sometimes. So, for example, the Bible talks about receiving the word of God, receiving the pure word of God. What does that mean? It doesn't. And it talks about being pure and living pure. And that's not the same as living, holy, living pure means the word pure means unmixed. And so when we the pure gospel is an unmixed gospel, the pure message of the word of God is an unmixed message of the word of God. We learn from the Old Testament scriptures, but we're not under the Old Testament law. We learn from the scriptures as examples to us, but we're not under the Old Testament judgment. We don't bring over the judgment of the Old Testament into the New Testament living. Let me give you an example of this. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but I need you to understand this so that you so that it puts it in a a practical perspective, because um, when you when you think of some of the great men and women in the Bible, they man in, in the Old Testament, there is a lot of screw ups. In the Old Testament, there's some screw ups in the New Testament too, but there are a lot of screw ups in the, in the Old Testament. One particular guy that really screwed up really bad is David. Mm. Am I in the right place here today? So we got, look, well, let's see what we got. We got adultery, we got lying, we got killing, we got, you know, forfeiting his own soldier for his own selfishness. I mean, we could go. We we got counting the people when God told them not to. um, And the sword came and and uh, hundreds of thousands of people were killed, like or thousands of people were were killed. uh, And we David had blood on his hands. If you look at his life in the Old Testament, was he great? Yes. Did he kill the the lion, the bear, the Goliath? Yes. Was he a great king in in Israel? Yes. Was he um, was he uh, uh, an amazing person? Yes. But he is flawed, 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 flawed. Am I in the right church here today? But I will tell you this, if you read the New Testament verses about David, there is not one mention of his sin. Huh. Interesting. The Bible never talks about David, the adulterer, the Bible never talks about David, the murderer. The Bible never talks about David this or David that all the Bible talks about in the New Testament about David is a man after God's own heart who fulfilled the purpose of God for his generation. What am I trying to explain? I'm trying to tell you that when Jesus died on the cross, the curse, the condemnation, the wrath, the the sentence against you, the the version of who you were is over. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature and the old things are passed away. And David was a man looking forward to the Christ to come. And God counted that as righteousness. And we look at we look back at the Christ who has come and God counts that as our righteousness. And David and Abraham and men like that, they looked forward to the Christ that was coming. It's the s- they got forgiven the same way we did. They just looked towards the cross that was coming. We look at the cross that came. They were looking to the the Christ that was coming. We look at the Christ that came. They were looking to the Savior to come. We are looking at the Savior that came. Are you you hearing this? And so we have to get a hold of the There is no mixed Jesus. There is no different Jesus. There is no well, the you know, the Baptists have a version and the Catholics have a version and the the, the Pentecostals have a version. and, And these people have. There is no other version of Jesus other than the pure, unadulterated, unmixed grace of God, love of God, healing of God. There's nothing mixed. He's not he's not up one day, down the other. He's not for you one day against you. The other. He's not looking at your sins. He's not inspecting your sins. And by the way, when Jesus comes back, he will come back a second time. He is coming back. And when he comes back, the Bible says he will come back without any reference to our sin. Why? Because if he made reference to our sin, when he comes back the second time, then he will have failed, he would have failed to deal with sin when he came the first time. That's why there will be no reference to sin the second time when he comes, because the first time he came, he did it all. It is finished. He accomplished the work. There is no other need. There is nothing else you can do to add to what Jesus did. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. What rest really is. That's where rest really comes from. And when you doubt that, you got to plant the seed of the finished work in your heart of God's word. What Jesus did for you. Go back and read it. He did it all. Go back and read it. It is finished. Go back and read it. When he nailed it to the cross, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're delivered, we're accepted we're in the beloved. All right. I'm I'm, I'm a little beyond where I wanted to go. So let me pull it back a little bit and then and then drill down on what I really want to say here. And that is let's talk about um, the activity of God inside of your life, like how God does things, how God works in our lives. Like we say, well, God, just work in my life or we pray, oh, God, just do do whatever you want to do in my life. That that's not how God does things. God works through his wisdom. He works through his seeds that get planted in our hearts. And I want to talk about the heart for a moment because there's a lot of confusion for most Christians about the spirit, the soul and the body. So let me talk about that for a moment. In first Thessalonians, chapter five, verse twenty four, the Bible says now may the God of peace sanctify you completely or may he sanctify you totally or may he sanctify you wholly, which is not the word holy H.O.L.Y., but it's holy or entirely W.H.O.L.L.Y. It's may the God of peace sanctify you entirely and may your spirit, soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here God gives us a picture of the triune being of mankind. We are triune beings made in God's image, who is a triune being. He is, He's a triune being father, son and Holy Spirit and we are triune beings, spirit, soul and body. And we have to understand that and come to grips with that so that we understand where our focus and attention needs to be in order to allow God to work in our lives. For it is God who is at work in us, the Bible says both to will and to work for his good pleasure. All right. So we are spirit, soul and body. Let me break that down for a moment and remind you again, your spirit is the part of you that gets born again. So when the Bible says in Ezekiel, chapter 30, 36, verse thirty, verse twenty five and twenty six. It talks about God will take out your old spirit and give you a brand new spirit. He's he's foreshadowing or prophesying about what would happen when Jesus comes and causes us to be born again. When you're born again, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, your spirit is brand new. Your soul is not your body is not. Did you ever check after you got born again? You're You were in the same body and you had the same mind and you had the same memories, but you had this sense of a burden was lifted. What was that? That was your old spirit. Dead spirit in Adam was removed and a new spirit in Christ was placed inside of you. So you now operate from a new born again spirit and your spirit is untouchable. It's um your spirits, unoffendable, your spirit is uh, is, is it can't be stopped. It's unstoppable. It's uh, it's indestructible. OK, that's what your spirits indomitable. The Bible says we have an indomitable spirit, not an abominable, but an indomitable spirit. It cannot be. It's indestructible. OK, so that's your spirit. It can't be touched. It's not touched by sin. It's not touched by the devil. Uh, it's not touched by our mistakes. It's not it's it's, it's completely Uh, made in the image of Jesus. And as far as God's concerned, that's what he that's how he sees you, just like Jesus born again. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away and the new has come. What is the old and what is the new? It's not our soul. It's our it's our spirit. Our spirit is new. Our soul is not. Our body is not. Our body is the same and our soul is the same. So what do we do? We do two things. One, we renew our mind to transform our soul. Romans chapter 12, verse two says, do not be conformed to this world. Right. Let's put it up there. Romans chapter 12, verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, what we're renewing our mind to is not different stages of God's will. And now I've taught that and I think there and and principally from a principle standpoint, we do grow progressively in Christ as our minds are renewed. Good, acceptable, perfect seems like there's progression. But what he is saying here that we have to truly understand is that what is good and acceptable and perfect is Jesus is good. His sacrifice is acceptable and his will is perfect. And in Christ, what we're doing is we're renewing our minds to what it means to have Jesus have done it all to have had Jesus do it all for us. We're renewing our minds to that so that we understand that we are now in his will because our faith is completely and utterly in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And when you believe that continually against opposition and against the layers of your, the DNA of your soul, the mistakes of your past, the pain of your life, when you believe that anyway, you are you you are ushered in to the good, to the acceptable and to the perfect will of God, because you believe in the finished work of Jesus against all opposition that comes to try to convince you otherwise that somehow we feel we have to finish something for God. And my Bible says he's the author and he is the finisher of our faith. Now, in in an effort to get to move forward here, let me suffice it to say, the spirit is made new. The soul is renewed, transformed through scripture and adjusting our mindsets. And as you heard Steve mentioned earlier, agreeing with God, because he who most agrees with God is most holy, that holiness is not a behavior. Holiness is a mindset that comes into agreement about what God says about you, what God says about him, what God says about you. And when you believe those things about him and when you believe those things about you, it changes the way you live. It changes your behavior. So we could try to take a shortcut and just try to change our behavior, but it's not it doesn't last. No behavioral modification will last in your life because you will always default back to your mindset. You'll always default back to your belief system. Your belief system is what undergirds your behavioral system. You can change and modify your behavioral system temporarily, but it's only temporarily and it's with great pain and frustration because it does not stick and it does not last and it is not a thorough work. It is just a superficial change to a behavior or a habit, not something that is the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of faith and the fruit of trusting God. Because when it's all said and done, gang, when it's all said and done is what matters. What pleases God is that we believe in what he has done for us and we believe what he has said to us. And because he's more focused and more interested in us pleasing him through through what we believe than in us pleasing him through what we do. He's more interested in us pleasing him from what we based on what we believe, because our belief can be 100 percent correct and our belief can be 100 percent complete. Our behavior will never be that. So you'll never be at a place where your behavior is completely pleasing to God. So God doesn't measure by that. He's changed the measuring stick from the behavioral uh, assessment of your life, because then at what point are you good enough? At what point did you pray enough? At what point did you read enough? At what point did you give enough? At what point did you share the gospel enough? At what point have you done anything at what point did you purge yourself enough of your mistake? You'll never get to a place where you'll ever do enough. That's why the connection with God happens through what you believe. And when you believe in the finished work of Christ, on the cross. Now that becomes the measure by which God approves of you. Okay, let's keep going here. So the spirit is new, born again. The soul is where the damage is. The soul is where the um, pain is. The soul is where the broken pieces are. The soul is where the um, the work of God gets done. That's really what I'm trying to get to here is this is how God does things. He works in our soul. Our body is going to be glorified. We're going to get a glorified body. We're going to get a brand new one. But the one thing we're not going to get a brand new of of is our soul. And so that's why while we're on this light, while we're on this earth, we want to see it transform. We want to renew our minds, be transformed so that our minds get into agreement with God. That's where peace is. That's where joy is. Any time you are robbed of peace or robbed of joy, it's because you're believing something other than what Jesus has done for you. And you're believing something other than what God has promised you. OK, are you with me yeah. still? See, only time your emotions get whacked is because of what you believe. Your emotions are the result of your thoughts yes. and what you believe and what. So if I believe that you that you are against me, then my emotions get riled up. And when you do something that doesn't look like it was helpful, I'm thinking that's because that guy's against me. That says that's that's because that person's against me. Now, what happened is my emotions are simply riding the wave of my thoughts and I have to deal with my thoughts rather than try to you know, well, just try to, you know, control these emotions. I have to take these thoughts captive. And that's how my emotions surrender or they they ride a different wave, the wave that you know what? God's got me. Yeah. So now I, my mind is filled with God's got it under control. God's got me. God's on my side. Jesus loves me. He's for me. Now, when my mind is filled with those thoughts, I'm riding that wave and my emotions become peaceful. My emotions become thankful. My emotions become kind. My emotions uh, have lost their edge at you because I'm not ever I'm not anymore relying on something you needed to do for me. I'm relying on what Jesus has already done for me now. Now it's uh, now. So. So. The soul is three things. Here you go. I've said it a thousand times at least, but I'm going to say it again. The soul is the mind to think, the heart to feel and the will to decide the mind to think, the heart to feel and the will to decide. That's your soul. So that's how God does things. He's working in your soul. He's not working in your spirit. He's working in your soul. Your your spirit's cool. Your spirit is settled. Your spirit is perfect. Your spirit is just like Jesus. Your soul, however, sometimes is just like the devil. It's not like Jesus. We got to renew it. We've got to renew our minds. We've got to we've got to deal with the damage. We've got to deal with the with the brokenness. We've got to deal with the pain. We've got to deal with the the mindsets that we grew up with. Okay. you you grow up in certain cultures and you have certain beliefs. Well, some of those things, I think, in all of our cultures, whether mines a Middle Eastern culture, whether yours is a a a, 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 I don't know, all American culture, whether yours is a a black culture, whether yours is a Hispanic culture, an Asian culture. Those are all different cultures. But the, the point is, is that there's 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 good in all of those cultures, simply because each culture has something from the Bible that they believe something in the way they look at things lines up with scripture. And that's what makes it good. It's the things that don't line up with with scripture that make it bad. And that's what we need to surrender to the Lord when the Bible says, um, present your bodies as a living sacrifice not it's not talking about a dead sacrifice. God doesn't need you to offer your your body for burial to him. He doesn't need you to offer your body to to be dead. He needs you to offer it alive, which means I'm offering to the Lord my thought life, which is which is carried in my body so that I can surrender it to God's way of thinking, which will bring my emotions and bring change my the 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 pain of my past and it'll change the, the limitations that I grew up with or the limitations that I put upon myself or the limitations that I confine myself to because of the mistakes that I stay lassoed to, lassoed to or roped to my mistakes. And I and I allow those to define me and confine me. And that's we're not going to do that. We're going to let God work in our lives. See, all I'm asking you to do is understand how he does, how he does what he wants to do in your life. And the only way see we we worship, we sing, we offer, we share our faith and we think, oh, those are the things that give God room to work in my life. And no, those are not the things that give God room to work in your life. What gives God room to work in your life is surrendering your thought life to God. That's what gives God room and opportunity to work in your life and to be willing to submit your thinking to God's way of thinking. Let me let me keep going here uh, because of our time. So your soul is where the activity of all human life takes place. The soul is the center of all human activity. The, The emotions, the mind, the heart, it's the center. And that's where pain is lodged. That's where the mindsets create patterns expectations and strongholds. Look, in your mind, in your soul is where expectations are created and strongholds are built, fortresses of thinking that cause you to react a certain way every time when something happens. These are strongholds that we're letting God in and we're going to pull down those strongholds by casting down the the Bible calls it casting down imaginations. But. It's not just, oh, you know, you got some real weird imaginations. No, that's not what he's talking about here. When he says casting down imaginations in Second Corinthians 10, verse five, he's talking about casting down images of God and images of yourself that are contrary tell the description God gives of himself and the description that God gives of you. We are casting down imaginations. If you put it in the um, in the King James version of that verse, you'll find that in verse five, we're casting down imaginations, images, pictures. Every one of us has a certain picture of what God is like and we have a certain picture of what we're like. And that picture has to be cast down. Anything in that image, anything in that picture that does not line up with God's picture of what he really is and God's picture of what you really are. This is how God works in our lives. And so our emotional activity rises and falls in our soul in our soul is where we experience freedom or bondage. So that's where we really operate in spiritual warfare. So it's not really it's not really what's happening in the heavens. It's what's happening in your your head, in your soul. Okay, Okay. that is the heavenly place where God operates is in your mind and in your emotions. Your spirit is is untouchable. It's invincible. Your soul is where the activity of damage operates. The damage is not in your spirit. It's in flawed mindsets, imbalanced emotions and a heart filled with untrue beliefs. That's where the activity of damage operates in your life. So this is how God does things. He awakens the sower in us. He calls on us to be personally responsible. I don't know if anybody's hearing this today. he is calling on us to be personally responsible for what seeds get planted in our soul going forward. We are not responsible for what seeds got planted in our soul, but we are responsible to pull those down, the imaginations that they created, the strongholds that they built, the expectations that they set because I grew up this way. And so I expect people to treat me this way and we have to pull that down. We're responsible for that. We're not responsible for having put those seeds in, but we're responsible for uprooting them, because the Bible says, if you will say if whosoever shall say to this tree, be uprooted from its roots and cast over there, it will obey you. In other words, you have authority to uproot the rooted system of false beliefs from your soul by speaking to those things and pulling them out and then planting the seed of who you really are in your soul. And that's the only. Listen to me. That's the only way things are going to change. Beloved people of God, we are not going to change just because we're being faithful to God. We're not going to change just because we're trying our hardest to love him. No, you don't have to try to love him. You don't have to try to love him one bit. You got to know how much he loves you and you will love him in as a reflex to his love for you. You don't have to to love God more. You don't have to try harder. My God, if you'll just take this and say, all right, now I know how God works in my life. I bust open the soul. I bust open my brain from the inside and I start dismantling the belief systems that have set false expectations, creating fear in my life, anxiety in my life, worry in my life. I'm busting into that way of thinking. I'm breaking down those limitations by breaking up those mindsets and replacing them with the mindsets that are fixed on God's promises to me and I am planting new seeds. They're going to create new trees and new root systems that cause me to have my my tree planted by rivers of water, whose leaf will not wither, who will bear fruit in his season. And whatever I do will prosper. Psalm chapter one says, because my my roots are planted by the rivers of water and the rivers of water are the rivers of God's word. And that means my root system, the the thing that 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 my belief system. My belief system, beloved, your belief system, you can't let your beliefs come from people's opinion. You can't let your beliefs come from your past experiences. You can't let your beliefs come from your race or your sex or your age or your color or your or your pain. You got to let the belief systems be planted as seeds of God's promises that you must be the sower of. Yeah. Now, I can be the sower tonight and I can be the sower on Sunday, but you know what? There's five other days of the week so and some of you I don't see all the time. So you have to take full responsibility for this in your life and then start coming here because I'll make it easier and I'll help you jumpstart it. Come on. All right. But this is how God does things. He awakens the sower in us. He calls on the sower in us to sow the seed back to Mark four twenty six, twenty six. The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. I didn't even get to that part where Jesus actually did it. I told you I started it and said, yeah, Jesus said it and said, let us go to the other side. And then what do we find him doing next? Sleeping. He illustrates exactly how God does things. Can't sleep at night, Cast the seed of God's word, plant the seed in the soil of your soul and you will be you will empower yourself to go to bed at night. I, I find myself, you know, sometimes I've looked at my I've looked at my life and go, wow, well, how come I didn't get how come I'm not getting to sleep real well? Or how come I'm not resting? And then I realize the last seeds I planted in my soul was the news. That's that's trouble. That's double trouble. That's man's bad news coming at you versus God's good news. So. we can sow good truth and liberating ideas in our souls or false beliefs and limiting mindsets in our soul. But the responsibility of what seeds you sow. I mean, this doesn't go over well with today's version of Christianity and today's version of church, this doesn't go over well. Two words I'm about to say. Personal responsibility. That's like GD and MF. These are this like the worst two words you can say, personal responsibility. But you know what? You have a personal responsibility to dismantle the belief systems that have kept you trapped in the pain and in the problems and in the patterns of your soul. And so you wonder, why aren't I changing? I'm going to a good church because you're you're, because your seeds being planted on on Sunday and seeds being planted on Wednesday. But you're not following up with it and nurturing it and cultivating it. And if you don't do that, it's a lifestyle. It's not. You know, it's just like anything it it, until it's a lifestyle. It's not going to be your life. It's not going to be the way your life goes until it's a lifestyle. Okay, so this is the easiest thing we can do, actually. Though, is simply to renew our minds, because then the, the 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 behavior will follow, the actions will follow, the results will follow. The fruit comes from the seed. So we could no lemon tree in a backyard or an apple tree or any no tree in your backyard is like stressing out to try to produce some lemons. Ugh. God, if I just pray more, if I just love God more, maybe the sun will shine more. Maybe I'll get more rain. Maybe I'll get more of what I need. No. The the tree just is happily planted in the soil. Its roots go down and it bears fruit in its season and it prospers every year. And have you ever had a tree that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger every year? You know, they at the, at the last house we were in, uh, we had this tree that when we first moved in, it was like 20 years ago, first moved in and the tree was just just up to the, you know, it just kind of went up to the kitchen, you know, like f- just a few feet. And then like a few years later, all of a sudden it's the tree is hanging over the roof and it's banging against the, you know, the <laughs> the roof and it's banging against the windows and it's stuff's falling, And wind is when the wind goes, the branches are all over the place. And the thing just grew up. I didn't speak over it. I didn't pray over it. I didn't. You know what I needed to do was take an axe to it, but I, but it just grew because it was planted in good soil and it got the rain and it got the sun and it didn't beg for it and didn't ask for it. God just gave it and God gives plant your seed and go to bed at night and the seed will begin to evolve into the 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 mindsets and the belief systems that will lead you to a life of complete peace and victory all the days of your life. Um, Let me finish with um, well, I should probably end here for the time's sake, so the end. (laughs) Love you guys. Thanks for coming. Lord Jesus, give us a revelation that we have the power to determine what kind of activity that you are involved with in our lives by planting the seed and taking personal responsibility for our lives to be the sowers, to be the planters, the farmers of our own soul, the farmers of our own heart, and I'm asking you to give us all a revelation of that and clarity on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening to the Gregory Dickow Podcast today. If this podcast has encouraged or inspired you in any way, we'd love for you to share it with a friend, a family member, or someone you know who would benefit from these messages. And make sure to subscribe if you haven't already so you never miss an episode.